0: My name's Kale. if you don't know me. Um, I'm the youth director here at First Baptist Church. Um, my wife dressed me this morning. Didn't she do a good job? <laughs> yeah, give it up for Brooke. <laughs> I'm going to figure out the perfect placement for this, and then we're going to get going. Wow, dude. <laughs> All right. If it gets really bad, I'll, I guess we'll do it on the fly, adjust on the fly. All right. I, yeah, man, I guess, hold on, I guess we're going to switch out already, guys, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go bro. Thanks, man. All right, all right, put that back there. See, I can't do all this stuff without Brooke, she's like the one who, see, like, she like tucked my collar and everything for me this morning, and. That's all right. All right, here we go. All right, good morning after a little bit of a delay. How's everybody doing, though? Really? You guys doing good? Oh, man. I'm, I'm excited to be up here this morning and get to share with you guys just from God's Word. Um, something that I love to do, and that's why, I mean, I I just love youth ministry, just sharing God's word with our youth of this church, and it's it's awesome whenever Jeff trusts me um, just a little bit to get up here and say something in front of you guys, Um, so that's really cool. Um, And yeah, I'm just excited, man. We are starting a brand new series this summer called Seasons. I think Jeff talked a little bit about it last week, Um, and we're gonna kick it off this week for this summer. This is a study we're going to be doing, and the reason we're doing this is because we want to just go through all the different seasons of life that God has that we go through. Um, if it's not obvious just from physical life that there's different seasons in life that we go through as we mature and grow older, the Bible says it too. If you go to Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse one, I'm sure you guys will recognize the verse. It says, to everything there is a season and to every pur- or, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And then it goes through a couple more verses where he quotes that famous Bird song, um, where he's like, a time to be born, a time to die, you know that one? Yeah, so God quotes that song um, in verses two through eight, and um, I think that's right. And then it goes, so yeah, you guys are familiar with that, obviously, or you wouldn't have laughed. There's, there's, there's a time to everything, and if you were just to look through some of those verses, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted or to reap. There's different seasons that we go through in the life, and the Bible clearly says that there are, and, and it's obvious. We, we are all living, we all go through life, and we all know that there's different seasons in this life. But if you go down to verse 10, we see that some of those times are good, some of those times are not so good. Would you agree with that? Check out verse 10, chapter three. I've seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. So there, there's some bad things. There's some travail that we'll go through. Some of these seasons, they're, they're, they're painful. They're, they're periods of difficulty and pain. But you know what? There's also beauty. beauty. Verse 11 says, He's made everything beautiful in his time. And that's what's great, and that's what we're excited to see through this series, is you know what, you might be going through a season of life that's hard. It might be painful, it might be trying, it might be testing your faith, but you know what, there's, there's beauty in that. There might be hardness, there might be trials and pain, but God wants to bring you through that, and he wants to show you the beauty in the season that you're going through. And that's why we're going through this series this summer. And you know what? It's refreshing to understand that these periods, although they might be trying and painful and hard, it's, it's refreshing to know that there is a purpose for it, right? Like it said in verse 1 of chapter 3, there's a time to every purpose under heaven. God doesn't just have you go through this because he thinks it's fun or he's got nothing better to do, so might as well see how so-and-so reacts to this situation. He's got a point and a purpose for it. And if you go to Romans chapter 5, we see that. Verse 3, and not only so, But we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. What we see is there's a reason for the season. That, that was a Christmas joke, did you? There's a reason for the season that you're going into. There's, there's a purpose, there's a point to it. God doesn't just have you go through things for no point. He is working something bigger than you can see. And he's got you in this situation or this season of life to teach you and to grow you. And if we could only see the bigger picture, maybe we'd understand. But you know what? That's what faith is for. And that's what faith is. Does for us, and that's why we glory in tribulations, because we know that that tribulation works patience, and from that patience we gain experience, and from that experience we gain hope. And you know what? The next time you go through a painful season of life, you can look back on that experience and that hope that you gain, and say, you know what? I know why God's doing this. He brought me through it before. And you know what? You can also edify your brothers and sisters who maybe haven't gone through that season of life yet, right? Maybe the younger ones who haven't been through this, or or older ones who haven't gone through what you've gone through. It works for a greater purpose than sometimes what we can see. So in this series, we'll be going through different series of life or seasons of life, and this morning we're going to start with the youngest, and we're going to work our way up. So we're starting with students and youth, and that's why I'm up here. Um, but really, please understand, just because your season of life might not be covered this morning or, or any given Sunday morning, since we're going to be trying to hit all of them, really, I, I think we, uh, we mapped it out, and I think we hit just about every single season of life you could possibly go, to, to go through. And and just because yours isn't today or next week or the week after, please don't tune out. I mean, there's so much you can gain from, obviously, just from God's word, but just listening to what God has to say about that season of life. Because maybe you haven't gone through that season yet, but you'll be able to learn what you should do when you get there. Or maybe you have gone through that season, and you can help other people get through their season by learning what God has to say through his word about that. We can all learn from what we're going to study this summer, and, and it's, it, it'll just prepare us, either for future seasons, to help us through our current season, or to help others through theirs. And so this morning, we're going to start with, uh, with youth and students. And the verse that I want to really go through today is one of, my, one of my favorite verses, really, just about youth and, and what God has to say directly to youth. So if you want to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, we're going to stay in this book, but we're going to go to the last chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this God says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. I want to stop right there. That's the main verse I want to cover. We'll look at some other verses in this chapter, but that's the main thrust for this morning. And and the burden that I have that God's given me to just to talk to our youth about and to talk to us as a family about. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Uh, The book of of Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, uh, who was the wisest man who ever lived. And that's not true just because I said it, or we learned that on the flannel graph when we were little, uh, but it's because the Bible says so. First Kings chapter 3, verse 12 says, God's saying, behold, I have done according to thy words. Solomon asked for wisdom when God said, hey, what do you want? You want riches? You want, what, what do you want? And he says, you know what? I want wisdom so that I can follow you. And he says, I've done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before Neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. God says, listen, Solomon, I'm going to give you more wisdom than I've ever given anyone who's ever lived up until this point and whoever will live. You will be the wisest man to ever walk on this earth. And I think that's important because his words are in the Bible. So we should probably listen to what God has to say through this man. Solomon writes this poetic book describing uh, mainly the vanity of all the temporary worth, uh, wealth and, and pleasures that men try to accumulate through this life. And he says, man, I, I got all that stuff. I, I'm rich, I'm the king, and I had all this stuff. I got this and this and that. And you know what? It's all vanity. It means nothing. It's all just, it's all just stuff if you don't understand the true meaning of life and what God has to say. You can see that in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, just the first couple verses. It says the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? Starts off on a good note. <laughs> but he says vanity five times in verse two alone. That's kind of giving you an idea what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, all this stuff, is just vain. It's nothing. It's not worth anything. What profit does a man have of all his labor? And he goes on to say in the book, you know what? You, you work all your life to accumulate all this wealth and fortune and stuff, and then you die to leave it to God knows who. And what are they going to do with it? He said, what's the point? There's something bigger. There's something greater. And he talks about that in detail in the book, and he gets to the last chapter, chapter 12 of this book, and he's winding down what he has to say, and he says this, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. What does Solomon mean here? I mean, it's pretty un- easy to understand. He doesn't use high vocabulary here. It's pretty easy to understand just, you know, at face value, remember God in the days of your youth. Okay, remember God when you're little, when you're young, right? Well, I, I want to take a look at this. What, what does Solomon mean, remember your creator? What, what's he talking about there? It, it's easy to skip over. I did it at first when I was studying this, just the word creator. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's talking about God from context, you know, it's a capital C even, so that gives it away. We're talking about God. He's the creator. So you, it's easy to just skip over and say, okay, we're talking about God. Remember God when you're young. But listen, the word creator is only used five times in the Bible. And that's interesting. If it's only used five times, and it's one of God's names, one of the things that describes God. He only uses it five times. There must be something specific about it. There must be a reason why he did that. And it's interesting, really, as we're going to look, that it's—, it's and rather than just saying, remember God, that he said, creator, I want, I want you guys to see one of the times he says it um, in Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to start reading in verse 25. The context here is Israel, by the way. He says, to whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them, by, he calleth them all by names of the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Here it is. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. God only pulls out Creator a few times. And creator isn't merely just an occupation. It's not just an attribute that he has or a, or a job that he holds or something that he does. It is who he is. It's not just what he does. It's also what he does, but is who God is. He creates. He creates everything. He is the originator of all things. And that's incredibly important because God, you see, he's not just some passive, absent higher power like we, like to, or like we might see in mainstream Christianity today, Right? Oh, he's just, you know, God, you know, this higher power, some passive absent thing that we just talk about willy-nilly. No, he's the creator. He's the king. He is the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He is Jehovah God. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Ancient of Days, the Great I Am. He is the creator. He's God. That's who he is. He's not some passive, absent higher power that... Weak people as a crutch to pray to. Absolutely not. God created everything. And being, my microphone didn't like that rant, and being the creator of all, you know what that makes him? Makes him the ultimate authority. That's what it makes him. That's the significance here. He's the supreme authority. Why? Because he made everything. That's just, man, you don't have to prove that biblically. That's just logical. Youth, middle school, high school, who's your authority in your life? Like like the first one, your parents, right? They made you, that's why, sorry. It's, it's just an illustration. God made everything, so he's the authority. You make your kids, you're their authority. The originator of that thing is the authority of that thing. That's just how it works. So when the Bible says God is the creator, that makes him the ultimate supreme authority. And it's funny that when God is speaking here directly to youth, that he uses the word creator and not just God. It's like he's saying, remember the one who created you, or maybe remember who your authority is. I think that might be an important lesson when we're talking about youth and when we're young. I, I do. I think it's really important because isn't that the issue right now? That we see, the the issues that this generation, and I'm not just plucking you guys out because really I'm in that same generation of 20, 30 years. The issue that this generation has with authority and law enforcement and government, it's just a fruit of this deep-seated root of I don't want anybody to tell me what to do right? I don't want an authority. I don't want to be held accountable for my actions. I want to do what I want to do, and that's the reason we see this fruit of like, I don't want anything to do with law enforcement. You can't tell me what to do. Government's corrupt, which, you know, is neither here nor there, but here's the thing. It's all about authority, and we as humans don't want anything to do with that regardless of the season of life we're in. It's just our nature. It's our sin nature, and because this generation and us as humans have an issue with authority, according to Romans 13, we have an issue with the ultimate authority. Check out Romans 13, 1 and 2. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So what God says, we actually just went through that series um, earlier this year in Extreme and said, listen, God is the ultimate authority and he lays out some other authorities and you're called to obey them and to submit to them. And here's the deal, to forget God is to forget authority. That's what it is. Forgetting about God, not remembering your creator is to forget about authority and to forget authority is Judges 17:6. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right. In his own eyes. Isn't that what we're seeing today? We don't want authority. Well, I'm I'm not saying we here. I'm saying just the human race in general, Laodicea. They don't want authority. They don't want nothing to do with God because they don't want someone holding them accountable to how they want to live their life. That's what we're living in today. So what God says to youth is, guys, remember your creator. And notice here, it's not just the creator. Did you notice that when we first read through it? Not just remember the creator. That would have sufficed because that's what God is. He says, remember now thy creator. And that's important. It makes it personable, personal. That, that gives it accountability. God isn't just the creator who spoke everything into existence and took a vacation or let evolution do the trick. He is my creator. He's your creator. He's our creator, and it's personal. And regardless of what you believe about whatever, the existence of man or the universe, God's your creator. Regardless of your beliefs, your lifestyle, your experience, or your opinions, God is your creator, and you and I will have to answer to the creator someday for our actions. People don't like that. People don't, I'm sure you didn't like that at one point in your life before you accepted Christ into your life as your savior right? People don't like that. What do you mean I have to account for my actions? People don't like authority, and neither does youth, and that's why God says when he's directing what he's saying to the youth, hey, listen, remember your creator. Remember who made you. Remember who the authority is. Remember thy creator. So God makes sure that Solomon starts out the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes with that phrase, remember now thy creator. And what Solomon really is getting, getting at here Follow God. Don't follow yourself. Follow God. Remember who made you and why you're here. You're here for his glory. He's the authority, not you. But then Solomon gets specific and he says, remember now thy creator. That could apply to all of us. But then he says, in the days of thy youth. Why do you think he's starting it out so young? Well, he doesn't leave us in the dark. He's going to give us two reasons. Check out verse one again, Ecclesiastes 12. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. One. While the evil days come not, two, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Solomon gives us two reasons to follow God in the days of our youth. One, before it's too late. Two, before you're too old. And you know what? I gave you those blanks ahead of time. I'm trusting you to keep listening. (laughs) All right? One, before it's too late, and two, before you're too old. And I just want to say as a disclaimer, I know that I'm the youth director getting up and teaching. I'm not saying that you can be too old at some point to follow God. I'm not saying that. And it'll make more sense as we go. But a lifestyle of not following God is hard to break when you get older if you never did it when you were young. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that you can ever be too old to follow God. But if you don't start young, it gets incredibly harder to just start all of a sudden when you get older and down that road of life. You get more set in your ways. Now we're going to look at some other verses here. Verses 2 through 7 after chapter 12 and verse 1, they have a dual application, which makes sense because Solomon gives two reasons for us to follow God in the days of our youth, to, to remember the creator in our youth. And there before it's too late, before you're too old. So the dual application the verses 2 through 7 has is they're a prophetic description of the end times, but they're also a poetic description of old age. They're a prophetic description of the end times, as well as a poetic description of old age. So let's take a look at the first one before it's too late. Before it's too late. Before we get too far, I want to jump back to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and look at verses 9 and 10, the last two verses of that chapter, and get a running start into verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 12, all right? Check it out with me. Verse 9, he says, "'Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth.'" And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart. Put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. In these verses, we see the contrast of what Solomon says in verse one. Remembering God, he says, listen, you can live it up. You, you can do whatever you want. Walk in the ways of your heart, which is evil, right? We see that in the Bible. Walk in the sight of your eyes. Do whatever you want, but know this, you will come into judgment from God, whether it's good or bad. You're gonna be judged for your actions. Solomon contends that, hey man, you can do what you want, but you're gonna be judged for how you live your life. And if you never repent of your sins and believe on Christ for your Savior, uh, to, to wash your sins clean, if you never accept Christ You'll be judged for your sin forever, and you'll go through something called the great white throne judgment. If you are saved, and you still choose to live it up, if you did say, yes, I repent, I believe, and you do all that, but then you still choose to live your life however you want, you'll be judged in eternity. You you won't be judged uh, eternally in a place separated from God, but you will be judged in eternity as something called the judgment seat of Christ, and you'll be stripped of all your rewards. And you don't want that. Regardless of if you're saved or not saved, your actions have ramifications. They do, and you will be judged for what you do. And that's why Solomon follows up those two verses with Ecclesiastes 12, 1. Remember now, thy creator, in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. Don't waste time, he says. Follow God now before the evil days come. That's a reference to the end times. Check out verse two, I'll prove it. Verse two, while the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, that's a direct references to prophecies of the end times in Joel 2 and Revelation chapter 6. Let's look at them really quick. Joel chapter 2, start in verse 2 and then we'll jump down to verse 10. He says, A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like. Neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations." Verse 10 The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. That's direct references to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and the end times. Check out Revelation 6, and we'll see more of what happens in those times. Verse 12 And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as a sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the lamb, the ultimate authority, right? for the great day of his wrath has come and who shall be able to stand? So what Solomon says is, listen, before that comes, follow God now. Do it before it's too late. Clearly what we just looked at is the time of great tribulation. It comes after the rapture of the church. What's the point of that? Listen, if you're not saved today, I know I'm speaking mainly to youth, but anyone in here, listen, if you're not saved, if you don't understand that before God paid for your sins, you were destined to eternity in hell because of our sin that separates us from God, if you don't understand that and realize that because he shed his blood, if you accept his payment of your sin, you can be saved. And if you repent and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus, Romans 10, you can be saved too. And if you don't get that, it's gonna be too late someday. Before these end times come, remember thy creator now. Once Christ gathers his church and takes him away, it's too late for you if you don't know him as your savior. And if you're one of those people who says, you know what, if I see a bunch of people disappear someday into the sky, I'll believe then. You won't. 2 Thessalonians 2 says you won't. He won't let you. I beg you, I beg you to understand that. And if you are saved, Guys, follow God before it's too late. Youth, if you're saved today, you know, you've been in church your whole life, you got saved when you were really little, remember thy creator now. Follow God now before it's too late. Don't waste your time on this planet investing in things that are gonna burn. Don't don't invest in things that are temporal, like Solomon says through the whole book of Ecclesiastes, things that are vanity and vain and have no eternal value. Don't waste your life on that. Follow God now before it's too late before the evil day comes. Matthew chapter six, seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? If you place that in your importance, you'll be all right. Follow God now. Man, what a shame it would be to have gotten saved in your youth, to get, to get saved young, and to understand what Christ has done for you, but to never invest your life in God's mission. What a shame that would be. How disappointed do you think God must be in meeting these people in heaven? Of like, man, you got it when you were young, but you never did anything man that's got to be disappointing remember thy creator now while there's time before it's too late follow god i want to ask you guys this question what are you investing in for eternity what are you investing in for eternity are you following god and his authority or are you just following the desires of your flesh follow god before it's too late number two Follow God before you're too old. And I'm gonna clarify what we were talking about a little bit earlier, before you're too old. So we've seen the first part, the prophetic description of the end times. Now we're gonna see the second part, the poetic description of old age. Ecclesiastes 12, one again, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And we know this, we proved what we said in point one with verse two, we'll prove this point with verse three. Check it out. In the days when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened. It's a very poetic description. Um, if you were to, to read through and just get different uh, uh, ways that God uses these words through the scripture, keepers of the house could mean your arms or legs. They start to tremble when you grow in age and, you, and, you, and that process of, of growing older, at least physically. The strong men shall bow themselves, your back bowels as you get older. You, you, just, you, you become physically less strong than you were when you were young, right? The grinders cease because they are few. You have less teeth when you're older. You have less you can chew with, less to grind with. Those that look out the windows be darkened. The eyes that look out the window, usually your vision gets poor as you get older. Now, I didn't mean this to be a bummer for those of us who are a little bit older than me and the youth here. But, but that's what the Bible says, right? It's, it's what the Bible says. It's a very poetic description of, of the process of growing old with age. Now, b- before I go too much further, is, is there anyone in here who has enjoyed the physical process of growing older? A- anyone? Oh, okay. Well, that's good. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Because in verse 1, he says, um, in verse 1, he says, While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And growing old with age, it was never supposed to happen this way, but because of sin— you don't have as much pleasure as you did when you were younger with your physical body and your physical life. Check out Second Samuel 19. We'll give us an example of someone who grew older and said that he doesn't have as much pleasure as he did when he was younger. Second Samuel 19 is, um, what's happening right here is where Absalom tried to take over the kingdom from his father David. And it came to the end of it and Absalom was end up killed in, in the line of battle. So David was safe. Uh, he mourned for a little bit, but then he was getting ready to go back to Jerusalem. In verse 33, one of the guys that helped David um, when he was running from Absalom, his name is Barzillai, and the king said unto Barzillai, come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. He says, hey man, thanks for helping me when I was running. Come over with me, and, and, I'll, and I'll feed you, and I'll, and I'll put you up. Real nice. Verse 34, Barzillai said unto the king, how long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I'm this day fourscore years old. Anybody? Eighty. Good job. And can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my Lord the King? Barzillai didn't enjoy growing old with age. And that's, I'm just proving that what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12.1 is is, is remember thy creator now before you get too old. Young people, I know that you probably enjoy life a lot right now, but there's a coming a day when you're not gonna have any pleasure in your physical life because the years will wear on your body and on your mind. I know that when you're young, trust me, I know this, when you're young and you're in high school or middle school, you, you're a Christian because you got saved and you know the rapture is a good thing, but you're like, mm, I don't really want that to happen yet. You, you wouldn't say it out loud, I know, trust me. But, but in your heart, you're thinking, man, I just kind of want to get married first. Or I want to finish college, or I want to get my dream job, or my dream house. You wouldn't say it out loud, I know, I know, but... Life is just a little too much fun, and you're like, God, I, yes, I want to be with you forever, but right now, I just, I want to I get to do what everybody gets to do when they get older. There comes a day, though, when you desire the rapture because you're done with this life and this physical body. So many have told me that. They're like, man, I've lived my life, and I've done all this stuff, and you know what? I just want Jesus. <laughs> I just want uh, an eternal body, and I don't have to deal with the age of this body. I want eternal life with God because this life has nothing to offer me anymore. And that's coming much sooner than you think. James 4, four, fourteen says, what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then it vanisheth away. I know when you're young, you feel like you're going to live forever, but trust me, man, before you know it, you're going to wake up and have been married for three years. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me. You're like, whoa, I know that's not very long, but man, just the other day I was 17 years old, and you're like, Where, where'd the time go? And I've heard others say, man, before you know it, you're going to wake up and you're 50. You'll have four grown kids, and you'll have grandkids. What is your life, man? It's just a vapor. It's like a mist. It, it appears for a little bit, but then it, just as quickly as it came, it vanisheth away. It's going to come sooner than you think. You don't have as much time as you think you have. And if you remember your creator now, and you follow God now, then you will then. But if you don't remember your creator now and you don't follow God now, you probably won't then. And then it's gonna to be too late and you're gonna wake up one morning thinking, what did I do with my life? What eternal things did I truly invest in with my life? What, what did I do with it? You know, I, I, let me put it this way for you. I know that sometimes when you're young, you say, okay, so, so you're saved, you got saved young, you go to church camp and you're excited and you're just like, I wanna follow God. But you know what? I don't have any money, <laughs> I've got all this time, you know, because all I do is go to school and then after school I'm free. You know, I might have basketball or band or something, but I've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of energy, but I don't have any money. You know what? When I'm older and I've got more money, that's when I'll serve God. That's when I'll serve God. And then you get older. You grow up, you turn into an adult, you get a family. And now you've got money and you still got some energy. Not, not as much energy, because you've got a family, you've got kids now. Not as much money as you'd probably like, but you have some, more than when you were 15, 16, 18 years old, right? But you know what you don't have now? You don't have any time. Because now you've got a family, you work 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week, and you don't have time to follow God. So you know what you say? You say, you know what? When the kids grow up, and when I retire, that's when I'll follow God, because I have all the time in the world then. And you get there, and the kids move out, and you're older now, and you retire from your job, you've got all the time in the world now, right? You've got plenty of money, maybe not plenty, but certainly more than you had when you had kids living at your house, but now you don't have, what, any energy. See, there's always gonna be an excuse to not follow God, always. And if you make that excuse when you're young, youth, middle school, high school, and you don't remember thy creator now, yeah, man, you, you probably never will. You probably never will, because there's always an excuse. Whether it's, I don't have any money, I don't have any time, I don't have any energy, there's always an excuse to not remember thy creator and to not follow God. There's always an excuse. And if you put off following God and wait for the best time, someday you're going to wake up close to the end of your life and wonder, what meaningful thing did I do with my life? What did I invest in that has eternal ramifications? Did I do anything Or did I always say, tomorrow I'll follow God, but following myself is way too much fun right now? What are you gonna say when that time gets there? And that's what Solomon is saying through the entire book of Ecclesiastes. Man, guys, what the Bible says and what I urge you to do is follow God now. In the days of thy youth, remember your creator. Remember who the ultimate authority is. It's not you, it's him, because he made you. And especially if you're saved, especially if you gave your life to Christ, you definitely aren't your own authority now. I know we forget that sometimes when we're young, but we sold our life. He's the authority. He was before, but he definitely is now if you submitted to his lordship. Now what I want to do is I want to check out the conclusion of this chapter. Roll on down to the bottom of chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. Let's read verse 13 and 14. Solomon says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The whole matter. Let's, let's hear the conclusion. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Pretty simple. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Solomon says, okay, guys, I know this has been a very poetic book and whatever, but let me boil this down to two things for you. The whole duty of man right here. One, fear God. Two, keep his commandments. I wanna take a look at those. Fear God. You've probably heard this a lot, right? Have you guys heard this? Especially if you grew up in church. Fear God. Fear the Lord. You might hear dad say, I'm going to put the fear of God in you, boy. You know what I mean? So what, what does that mean? Does it just mean I'm, I'm super afraid of God? What does the fear of God or the fear of the Lord mean? Would you be surprised if it ultimately boiled down to authority? <laughs> you shouldn't be by the end of today's message. Check out Matthew 10, 28. It says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. God says, don't fear men. The only thing they can do is kill you. Fear God because he can do way more. He is way more powerful. Fear him. But you see, this fear of the Lord, it's not just being afraid of God and what he can do to us. Okay, it's not, it's not just being scared of God. It's not, it's not being afraid of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. So like, like David says in Psalm chapter 34, come children, let me teach you the fear of the Lord. All right, let's go through some of these verses in the Bible that has the fear of the Lord. All right, Psalm twenty-two, twenty-three. 23, ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. Psalm 33, eight, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Psalm 111, 10, the fear of the Lord <clears throat> is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Proverbs 14, 26, and the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children have a place of refuge. Proverbs 15, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Proverbs nineteen twenty three: The fear of the Lord tendeth to life; he shall not be visited with evil. Proverbs twenty two four: By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Are you getting it? Let's do one more anyway. Proverbs twenty three seventeen: Let not thine heart envy sinners. Oof, you ever get that? Youth, adults, ever any envy sinners? Say, man, I'm saved, but if I wasn't, <laughs> that would be fun. Don't, don't let your heart envy sinners but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. The fear of the Lord, it's not just being afraid. It's reverence. That's what it is. Write that down. The fear of the Lord is reverence. It's loving and worshiping God for who he is, love, while at the same time respecting him for who he is, the ultimate authority. You see that? It's a balance. Reverence is loving him because and worshiping him and praising him because he is love, but it's respecting him and understanding At the same time, he is the ultimate authority, and what he says goes. That's reverence. He's the creator, and he deserves that reverence, and that's why we fear God. Number two, not only do we fear God, Solomon says, the whole duty of man, fear God, and number two, keep his commandments. And this one's easy, because if you fear God and understand that he's your authority, you're going to probably keep his commandments, or at least desire to, okay, What does he command us to do then? There's lots of different things in the Bible that are commands or commandments, right? You got the Ten Commandments, you got all this stuff, you've got Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Well, what does he command us to do? Well, let's just look at a couple from the New Testament that we're commanded to do. Check out Mark 1 15. In saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. First thing he commands us to do is repent and believe. He says, get saved, man that's what you need to do. Notice that it's not even a request. He says, man, you need to do this. It's a command, although a lot of people will choose not to obey it. Repent and believe because why? Because he said so, but because he's love, and he doesn't want to see you have to go through the fires of hell because you don't have to, because his son paid for that. Repent and believed. You got to get saved. Youth, let me ask you this. You're getting older now, middle school. I know you don't feel like you're older, but you are. Have you made your faith yours? Or is your faith still your parents? Have you just come to church for 16, 18, 13 years of your life and never actually made God the Lord of your life? You need to make your faith yours. You need to repent and believe. You can't just keep living off your parents' faith and coming to church because they do. Repent and believe. Are you saved? Have you done that? And if you've done that, the great commandment, love God and love people. Mark 12 30, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind and all thy strength. This is the first commandment and the second is like it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other greater commandment than these. There's none other none other commandment greater than these. Love God and love your neighbor. Love people. God commands you to do that. If you're saved and you have a relationship with him and he commands you, love God, fear him and love people man love them enough to tell them what's going to happen to them if they don't fear god and repent and believe love people next one mark 16:15 the great commission and he said unto them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature go and share the gospel Repent and believe. Get saved. Once you've done that, love people and love God. Once you've done that, man, share the gospel. That's part of loving people. Youth, if you didn't know what you should do with your life, do those three things, and then when you run out of things to do, you'll be old enough to maybe see the rapture happen. Repent and believe. Love God. Love people. And share the gospel with them. Just keep doing that. That's the whole duty of man. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Those are some of the things that he's commanded us to do. There's others. Ephesians 6, he tells you, he commands you to honor your father and your mother. You can find more. These are just three big ones. He commands us to do a lot of things. But what I want you to see is that this guy's youth, middle school, high school, this is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. It boils down to authority. The whole thing does, it's all about authority. Why do we do this? Verse 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God's gonna judge every work, whether it's good or bad. It's all about authority, guys. If you remember thy creator now, in the days of your youth, you're not gonna have to worry about wasting your life. But you know what? If you don't remember him and you say, you know what, I'm gonna be the authority of my life. I'm gonna do what I want. You're gonna either get to the end of your life and realize that you never accepted Christ as your savior or you will and be like, man, I never did anything with that. I never did anything with the gift that God gives me and that has to be disappointing to God who gave his only son for us, man. That's gotta be disappointing. Students, youth, everybody really, who's your authority today? Today, who is your authority? Is it God? Is it your creator? Or is it you? Is, is it you? Do, do, who calls the shots in your life? Who sits on the throne? Who's in the driver's seat? All the cliches. Who does that in your life? Is it You? or is it God? Because God's not a backseat driver, man. If you want to drive your life, he's going to let you. Who's your authority today? Is it God, your creator, or is it you? Follow God now before it's too late. Remember thy creator now in the days of thy youth. Let's pray. God, I love you.